Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, How Internet Marketing Can Help You Be Found and Your Prospect Base Expanded, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Josh Walker is a husband, dad, 101st Airborne Combat Vet, and an agency owner. Josh lives in Plymouth, Indiana. His wife, Amy, is nearing the completion of her PhD work in literacy, culture, and language. They have two amazing young daughters, Soleil and Isla. His brand marketing agency, Recon Media, partners with small businesses to build high-impact, compelling brands the owners feel proud of and excited about. At 36 years old, Josh was diagnosed with adult ADHD. With a new lens through which to view his world, he began a journey to more fully understand how and why his brain works the way it does, how to use it to his benefit in daily life, and how to leverage it for innovation and growth as a business owner. This mindset has enabled Josh to keep his agency agile amid the COVID-19 pandemic when others are struggling. So Josh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So I wanted you to start out with just giving us a brief, you know, history about yourself, uh, a little more background, and how you started your business. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, growing up, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I was involved in music and art, um, and that's kind of where I spent a lot of my energy. Uh, in, in high school, I actually started a quote-unquote business. I uh, never made a dime, never made a penny. I uh, never had a client, but I had um, the uh, like legal Zoom LLC kind of thing, you know, for my birthday for my mom. And so um, that was kind of like the beginning of the journey. Um, 
fast forward after high school, yeah, joined the military, and it, even in, even in combat, I was um, kind of always documenting um, what was happening with uh, my cameras, and uh, you know, writing content, uh, shooting photography and video, and, and just trying to be creative even in that environment. Um, after that, I got out of the army, uh, got married to my wife, um, and then went to school for audio engineering, uh, kind of tying things back into music. And it was uh, as an audio engineer that I started to work a lot more with some other creative professionals uh, as a freelancer. And I started to branch out into more of the creative freelancing space. And then um, that kind of led me into uh, you know, working for some nonprofits and other companies as a, as a marketing director, a creative director. And then, uh, let's see, this is our fourth year in business now. So in 2017, um, January 2017, um, is when I started Recon Media. And it's it's a very probably similar story to a lot of people. You know, I had a laptop, you know, up on the kitchen table, and um, mm-hmm. tried to get my first few clients, and then we just kind of grew from there. And um, we've served over 150 clients nationwide in the last uh, three and a half four years. Um, about 50% of those are uh, in the nonprofit space, and then uh, in the for-profit space, we we service a lot of uh, manufacturers and um, healthcare and education clients, and. Um, yeah, and we uh, we are fully remote. Uh, we actually went remote before, uh, fortunately, before the um, COVID uh, <laughs> pandemic. So we we were kind of already settled into the remote routine. Our clients were already used to it. Uh, so that was a pretty smooth transition. But um, yeah, so uh, that's a little bit a uh, little bit about me. Right. And I know as a newer business in the last few years, you probably have some challenges fresh in your mind about having actually started that business. And I would love you to touch on that, maybe some of the challenges you had, even in relation to what we'll be talking about today in that digital world and branding, if you want to touch on any of that. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, early on starting um, <clears throat> starting the business, it was one of those things where, um you know, I had a back of the napkin plan kind of thing. Uh, I knew that I, <laughs> I knew that I could, uh, I knew I could do the work. Um, I knew that I loved networking with people, meeting people, and helping solve problems. And uh, basically, I just you know kind of launched out into the world with, uh, with a fire. And um, there was definitely a lot of I think stumbling through some stuff early on. And and you know again that's that's kind of the uh, the stereotypical uh, entrepreneur story, um, little startup and. Um, but kept pushing forward because it was like it was. It's always been a dream of mine, like since high school. And here, here I was able to uh, see that come to life. Some of the challenges, though, would would certainly be um, kind of the consistency um, transitioning from a freelancer, you know, where it's just myself and a handful of clients, to taking on uh, you know considerably more clients and then having to hire staff. And mm-hmm. there was a there was a learning curve there. Um, but fortunately, my, my military experience um, and, and leadership development in, in that capacity uh, served me very well, you know, kind of uh, managing a team, uh, being, you know, agile and dynamic. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest things early on because that's where a lot of my stress came from. Uh, but then once we got the things uh, wrinkles smoothed out, um, you know, then it was a matter of trying new uh, new offers and new services for clients and you know, it's like any any other business. Some things are appealing to the market. Some things aren't. And mm-hmm. uh, while that was a challenge, I, I also viewed it as a as a strength. Being a small new startup, um, when we found something that wasn't working like we thought it would, we would cut it and then pivot to something else or double down on something that was proven to work. Uh, right. So we weren't like a big 
you know, slow moving uh, kind of agency. So um, just, yeah, any challenges that we had, um, I just tried to learn from and then uh, and make it make it a learning experience moving forward. Right. So what specifically does your agency do for your clients? So um, we do primarily uh, really three, I guess, like three primary things. We, we do web development, um, WordPress websites. Um, I've been building WordPress websites for a little over 15 years. That's what I started as a freelancer. And uh, I'm glad that I did because WordPress is such a huge um, kind of stakeholder in the online space uh, today. Right. And you know, working with our clients, um, WordPress is such an easy platform to either uh, hand off to the client and train them, and then they can manage it themselves, or uh, we do have a number of clients where we, we continue to maintain their sites. So that's that's one part. Um, that's kind of what the catalyst was behind my business, was, was websites. Uh, the second part is uh, social media management and paid traffic and paid advertising. Um, so... You know, we build websites for clients, and then we need to get them traffic and let people know that they're out there. Um, and me, as a as an agency owner, I love that stuff. I love the creativity. I love the social uh, social media and um, branding and marketing. So it's it's fun. It's easy for me. But you know, early on, I started realizing some of my clients like they could care less about you know being online, being digital. And using social, um, mm-hmm. they knew they needed to, but they didn't have any interest in actually doing the work. Right. And so, so early on, I started realizing that, you know, and this was this would go back to the challenges, um, one-off projects. You know, like we we get a client, we do the project, hand it off, it's a success, and then it's like, all right, we got to fill that void now with another client. And so early on, I thought. How can I how can I transition some of our offers and our services to be like a recurring model um, that helps you know generate predictable um, recurring revenue for the agency, but also gives the client on the other end um, added value over time through a, mm-hmm. through a, re- a relationship built on trust and and equity there, and so uh, so that's been actually um, one of our bigger uh, bigger offers that we we have a lot of success with. Because again, you know, healthcare in- industry and manufacturers—they're busy um, healing people, surgeries, you know, delivering babies, and building widgets and, and uh, advanced manufacturing widgets things. So they don't have time for that. So uh, we kind of fell into this niche uh, with these industries. Mm-hmm. And then the third, the third kind of component is um, branding and identity, and that's one of my my biggest passions. Um, personally is helping a business owner um, understand the why behind their business, why they started it, why they get out of bed in the morning and why they help their customers and uh, helping them develop, you know, a brand name, um, a brand identity, logo, collateral, and then even kind of um, creating that brand story so that when people say, what's your logo? You know, it's a cool logo. What's it, what's it mean? What's it, what's the story behind it? You know, why this name? Um, so that's the third component that we offer. And, uh, and it's, again, like I said, it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so those are the three big things. We also do video and a couple of other uh, smaller uh, services, but we, we primarily focus on those three. Right. Well, and branding is the thing that we really wanted to focus on today and, you know, talking about what the brand is for the small business owner and why, you know, they're 
kind of the traditional branding may not work anymore. Um, So I would love to then find out from you, where have you seen success when you're working with your clients and their branding? Yeah, so um, we've, we've got a couple of different ways that we approach branding with clients because some people will uh, will come in and and say, you know, I know what I want. I know the colors. I know the name. You know, just kind of make it make it look good, make it pretty for me. Um, and then we've got the other flip side of that coin, where a business owner comes in and says, Hey, you know, you came highly recommended, or I like your work. So I'm going to give you the the creative license to to develop you know, my brand. Mm-hmm. And so those are the two kind of opposite ends of the the spectrum, and. What I did early on, um, again, because and this probably comes from my military background, I love systems and processes, um, mm-hmm. creating like standard operating procedures or SOPs, and I, I developed a, um, a, a like a program or like a, a series of exercises that we go through with a client um, during the discovery phase uh, to really dig in and understand, you know, um, yeah, again, like. Why, why their business name is XYZ, whatever it is, or which direction they lean toward, whether it's a, a, a more modern uh, look or a more traditional look. Um, and I won't go into all the details, but like we, we break it down to a very granular level and, and make it fun for the client as well. And so then by the end of the entire process, they have a very clear uh, understanding of their brand, which I think is something that is lacking um, greatly in, in today's marketplace with businesses. Uh, people go online and find a stock logo on mm-hmm. you know some website and download it and then and then they kind of build their identity around that versus building their identity around around themselves and around their culture at their company. so um, so that's kind of like a proprietary, uh, model that we developed, and uh, and we've gotten great feedback from the clients, and they they truly enjoy that process because it's not something that they expected walking in. Mm-hmm. I think that's important too, but I would love to ask you as well. Like, what are the most common questions that business owners ask you about their brands? Sure. So, I think that um, w- one of the yeah, one of the most I think recurring questions is. Um, and I can't really knock them, I guess, but is is a brand important? Why is it important? You know, do I need to invest in my brand? Again, because like, you know, everybody's got a nephew or a next door neighbor that, you know, has, has a MacBook and uh, and can, you know, do something. So there's a little bit of education involved in that process of explaining the value that, that comes along with a um, an intentional, meaningful brand. And uh, that's probably the biggest question that I get about branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then aside from that, there, there's been a lot of education toward the clients uh, as far as, you know, your your brand is more than just a business card and a logo. Mm-hmm. And I found myself repeating that over the last few years. And so I early on developed a phrase and it, it, somebody else might have coined it and I heard it and picked it up. But um, what the easiest way I say it in just one sentence is uh, your culture is your brand. And you could have the greatest looking logo, but if you have a terrible culture in your company, that mm-hmm. will overshadow the the greatest looking business card. So, right. um, yeah, those are two of the big questions there. And do you actually help someone if they're not really sure? Uh, and I'm sure you do, but like color wise, like even like a shade of a color, like, oh, I know I want my colors to be, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, green and yeah. blue or something. 
Yeah, and some people have some really um, awkward color combinations that they walk in with, and uh, and so again, like we we try to tie in like the psychological um, component or drivers behind their 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 business behind their name, and and help them understand that you know color and color psychology um, has a role in branding, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's there's been a lot of times where we we have a lot of pushback. Um, and I, I tell them, you at the end of the day, you're gonna, you know, we'll do what you want to, but you hired us as the experts, and so I'm going to give you our expert advice and opinion. And uh, and again, like I, I found that the clients really appreciate the honesty and the and the transparency there. And more often than not, they they wind up defaulting uh, to us. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's probably been some issues where someone comes on with, with some ideas on colors and you might have to say like, oh, those are great. You love those colors, but that doesn't really represent, you know, your brand, your company yeah. very well. So having to get like, oh, I love pink, right? But if your <laughs> market yeah. is, you know, like this professional male that might not work or something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we start we start the entire process by developing a mood board for the clients. And so like, um, we actually set up Pinterest boards and then have the client, um, you know, go on the internet and pin fonts, websites, um, colors, um, photos, landscape, like whatever it is that is that appeals to them as far as an identity. And then we take those elements and try to distill them into um, a coherent brand image. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, we're getting close to break time, um, so I think we'll get ready to like take this commercial break, and then we'll come back and continue asking uh, some questions regarding you know this branding. So uh, when we come back again, Josh is going to give us more information on why your traditional brand identity model may not be working for you today. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Biz Help For You. 
If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Josh Walker told us about his background and how he started Recon Media to assist entrepreneurs. Now, let's continue our discussion on branding. So, Josh, if a business is going well and making money, do they really need to worry about their brand identity? Yes. Um, the, the, the answer is yes, uh, absolutely. Um, in fact, when a business is doing well and they're, and they're, having, they're seeing some success and growth, um, that's, that's actually like the opportune, uh, it's actually a vital time in, in the journey of their business to look at their brand with uh, like a critical view. And the reason for that is um, as you start to become more successful and, and known in your region or your industry or your market, um, the, you know, the standard and the expectations are going to, to increase. And if you, you know, uh, there's an example of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Dogfish Head Beer um, out on the East Coast, but like uh, Sam, the the founder of that uh, brewery, when he started, you know, he was hand labeling the beer bottles and it was, it was great beer, but, um, you know, he was literally hand gluing them on to the bottles mm. just to get them out the door. And people said, this is a great beer, but man, it these bottles are like junk and mm-hmm. and it, it, that image didn't portray the quality of the product and uh, and so they you know revamped it and um, put a lot of emphasis onto the brand and now if you go into uh, um, buy some craft beer and you, and you see the, their brand like they've got uh, incredible branding and the brand message goes throughout the entire uh, business and the reason it's important to look at your brand identity when you are uh, making money and you are seeing success um, if you if you kind of think that uh, you're set to go, you know, for the rest of uh, the rest of time with your business, your competitors will be looking at their brands and they'll be saying like, what do we have to do to be innovative and creative um, and reach you know those customers? Mm-hmm. So um, just because you're making money is is a actually a pretty pretty bad excuse to not uh, look at your brand because one, you've got success, you've got customers, and you've got an audience. And two, that means you can afford, you can actually afford to do uh, some intentional branding. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they're concerned, like, well, if I change anything, like, I'm not going to be recognized, you know? So what would you say yeah. if someone came to you and said that? Like, well, no, I don't really want to change too much because people recognize my logo as it is, or they recognize, you know, my tagline or things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when when we've done some, um, like, that would be considered a rebrand or a brand refresh, and, and when we've done those, um, we, we definitely are, are very um, careful to maintain and carry over some of those previous brand elements that are, are well known to the, the customers. And a lot of the times they have some deep meaning to the business owner because, you know, they put their blood, sweat and tears into it. Um, so it can be things such as, you know, if, if they started 10 years ago and they went with a color palette from 10 years ago, uh, that might not be, you know, the most appropriate, most relevant and appealing uh, brand color palette today. And so it can be going from um, bright to pastel or pastel to bright or mute, like muted or just just like slight changes. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing with fonts. It's pretty, um, it, it's easier than some people think, but it takes a lot of nuance to be able to uh, kind of finesse 
an old, outdated brand into something new without losing that um, that established identity. Mm-hmm. Understood. So I know there's services like Fiverr that people look at as well. So why should a small business spend more than a couple hundred dollars for a logo and building their own website? Uh, great question. And um, <clears throat> so we've, we've had a number of clients who have come to us um, who had experienced uh, a kind of really poor service with a previous, you know, agency or a freelancer or, you know, like a Fiverr uh, type website or Upwork. And um, th- so the reason that like I-, I try to, you know, really kind of shift people away from that is because investing in your company um, includes investing in your brand. Mm-hmm. And and that that's something that's left out of the equation a lot, especially with uh, business owners who are more, uh, maybe analytical and and um, less on, on the creative side, and they're more, you know, numbers and and uh, hard data stuff. Or that makes sense. Like it doesn't make sense to them. It makes sense to me. So we have to help them understand that. Um, yeah, you might not. Care. And we've got customer or we've got clients who have said, I don't, I don't really care what my logo looks like. Just you know, <laughs> make it look good. And uh, and so we have to work with that because you know they could have gone to Fiverr because they don't care. Um, but helping helping somebody understand that. You know, when you're investing in your employees and when you're investing in your your supply chain and and you're seeking out the the highest quality uh, vendors and suppliers, you, the branding is like literally the face of the business and the brand. And it's the fir- it's often the first touch point that a prospective customer will have with your business. And if it's if it again, this goes back to the one of the earlier questions. If that brand identity doesn't um, kind of portray the same uh, quality that the rest of your business and brand does, then you're actually doing a huge disservice. And then you'll find that you have to spend more time educating your customers on, you know, yeah, it looks like an outdated company, but look at, we've got the latest technology inside the door or whatever the case may be. So um, Mm -hmm. going with, uh, you know, an online Fiverr.com thing, um, you'll also find that a lot of those, uh, a lot of those uh, designs will be, um, I I don't want to say like ripped off or anything like that, but, um, but they're just cranking them out. I mean, they right. are like literally just pumping these things out. And some of these businesses, you might pay a hundred dollars and you get like 20, uh, 20 bids and 20, um, logos. I mean, it's like, you know, these people can't spend that much time on that brand. They don't have the same interaction that they would have with an agency like Recon Media. Um, and so there's, there's less value. So like it's, it goes down to, it, you get what you pay for really. Right. And I actually try to educate, you know, my clients too. part of, you know, what we're doing with clients often is looking at, you know, their expenses and where can they make some changes, you know, to be more profitable. But I also have to tell people, you know, cheapest isn't always best. And you really need to <laughs> look at the value of what you're going to get and, you know, make sure that you're really getting what you need. And if you're just going for the least expensive product or service, often that's really not the case. Yep, yep. So, and that's, that's to be said for branding here too as well. Yeah, like absolutely. Really think about it as a long-term investment in your business. Like it might cost more right now, but it's, you know, over time it's going to have a return on investment. Yeah. And it's one of those long lasting, um, you know, it should be one of those long lasting investments where you, you, you invest in it early on and it's something that you can sustain and not have to change for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you, uh, yeah, if you don't invest in it, you're going to wind up changing your brand in three years. 
And then you have that like confusion with your brand because you changed it. But right. um, so certainly, yeah, the investment is is definitely a, an important part. And I think you started to touch on this in the last segment, but I would really love you to really explain to someone who's just starting a business, you know, maybe even right now because of COVID, people haven't been working and they're like, oh, I need to start a business. Um, What should they really be thinking about in terms of developing their brand and what their identity should be? Like, what are some tips you would offer to them? Yeah, sure. So um, one thing that I would say to, to somebody who's just starting out and kind of developing that is, you have to find a you have to strike a balance between um, something that that you as the owner uh, find valuable and you but you can't go f- like so for instance I've got I had a client um, years ago and uh, she was a she was a counselor and she had a you know great practice um, and we we did her logo and we did her website and you know collateral and I mean. It, it was like weeks, maybe even months, going back and forth with her because she wanted um, – t- she loves tulips. So she wanted mm-hmm. tulips everywhere, and she wanted everything pink and purple. But – and that's a fine, but the, but here's here's where I'm going. Um, you know, part of what we do when we do the uh, branding and identity discovery is we also help them understand who their, you know, their avatar is or their, their buyer mm-hmm. persona. And for this particular client – uh, it was middle-aged men because um, you know they they found it easy to to talk with her, and she helped them solve problems, and then word of mouth grew. So, like the majority of her her patients were men, and so I, there was a like a lot of friction helping her understand that I get it. You like tulips, but you've also got to think about your target audience and your market, mm-hmm. and strike that balance. Um, but also, I would say that it's important to, you know, when it comes to a name, a lot of people, I mean, and it, it, it kind of bugs me a lot when I see it, but a lot of people will go with a name that is, um, you know, spelled funny mm-hmm. just for the sake of being spelled funny. And, and it has no meaning or it has no double meaning. It's just like, okay, there's no meaning behind it. So, um, and that goes for logos too. And when I see people... Um, kind of rolling out these brands that are quirky for quirky's sake, but it has no meaning or tie back to who they are as a company or their culture or what they do or offer. Um, then it's just like, it's like, it's like a missed opportunity to really tighten up their entire culture and their entire brand with a nice little bow on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would just say, um, you know, if you're starting out, grab a notepad or your laptop or whatever and just write down the you know the things that you love about your business, the things that bring you joy about getting up every day and putting in those hours, um, and and try to find like the things that you love personally uh, in your life outside of work. Um, you know, for pe- some people, it might be coffee. You know, and mm-hmm. and connections with people and relationships and um, but you know, take that. You can take an element like that and really. Um, go somewhere with it. But there has to be that personal connection. There has to be a connection to the market and the uh, target audience. And the the third thing I would say with that is um, get a lot of feedback before you before you settle on something. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're doing it yourself or, you know, it's like a freelancer, um, solicit feedback from your uh, business colleagues um, and your peers, family and friends. Um, throw it up in a Facebook group and say, hey, you know, do you like A or B and why? Um, 
And that's kind of like some very low-level basic market research and like a focus group. Uh, but that can save a potential like, um, like you know, down the road having a lot of frustration because they committed to a brand that they never should have committed to. So um, don't rush it. Um, really try to understand why, you know, you like this logo or that color or that name. Uh, but then most importantly, I would, I would say get feedback from people that you trust. Right. And while you're talking, that's one thing I was thinking I was going to ask next is, you know, well, what about asking, you know, friends or family or, you know, whoever, but, but what if those around you or those that, you know, are on your Facebook page or something aren't necessarily that exact target, you still think it's valuable to get information from those who aren't really the market that you're trying to pursue? Or do you think it would be better to try to find someone that might be in that market and just say, hey, what do you think? So I would say both. Um, so when I started, um, when I started Recon Media, uh, again, I was at my uh, kitchen, you know, table with a laptop. And, um, and actually, I guess I'd never explained Recon Media and what that means and, and why um, my, my business is Recon Media. So, so Recon, okay, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, so I started, when I started Recon Media, I was like, man, I need, I need to have feedback from people. So I um, put together a private Facebook group with, I think it was like 45 friends of mine from around the country. And I told them the purpose of it. And every you know, couple of days, I would drop in uh, logo variations that we were working on for clients, naming variations and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of that focus group, that Facebook focus group, a lot of them weren't the target audience for the client that we were designing for. Uh, but I would give them, like, I would preface it with, here's their target client, here's their industry, you know, um, here's their business. And, and this is, you know, does it connect? Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. And and that was um, that was pretty invaluable early on because I got a lot of really good objective feedback from people, and uh, you know I would have my personal kind of favorite, but then they would bring out some really good points uh, that I was able to kind of take back to the client, and so that was that was really helpful. And I think that with Facebook, anybody can do that, you know, with your business. Uh, but real quick, I do want to touch on um, kind of why you know I named my business Recon Media. So like in the army. Um, I was in the 101st Airborne, and and I was a, a cavalry scout. And um, scouts traditionally are known for doing reconnaissance. Um, they're the uh, commander's eyes and ears on the battlefield. And so we gather intelligence on the enemy, um, troop movements, etc. And uh, so when I started recon, I had gone through like in a hotel, like I went through like five or six sheets of uh, yellow legal pads <laughs> with different name ideas, and. <clears throat> And so I finally settled on Recon Media because um, that's what we're doing. You know, like my, my business, that's what I do uh, for other clients is I help them understand their strengths, their weaknesses, like opportunities that they can they can leverage in the marketplace. Um, but then for a lot of our projects, we also do competitor research and analysis. And we re- try to find those weak spots and those soft spots in the market um, that our client can then leverage. So, like, that's where my name came from for my business, and it has a very personal tie because, you know, I did recon mm-hmm. in, in Iraq, and, um, and so it just clicks when, when somebody hears me tell that story. They're like, oh, it's a light bulb. It, it completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, that's an example of uh, if you're naming a business, you know, trying to find a way to connect it to something that has meaning, um, that also communicates what you do or, or one of your, you know, co- company values or something. Right. So 
last question before we go to break then too, if someone is just starting out right now too, and they haven't actually figured out their name yet too, could they have you like help them figure that out too? Or do you generally just have people who come to you who already have figured out their name? No, we've uh, we've we've helped a number of businesses develop a name, and that's a really actually a really fun process. And that goes back to earlier on when um, I was talking about the discovery that we go through, and uh, we do some really deep research into heritage, culture, language, um, and just about every other aspect of of society when somebody's talking about uh, who they are or where they came from or what their business does. Um, and so we don't we don't do like arbitrary naming. We 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 really dig deep, and we really push the limits um, of with the client to to try to find that valuable, meaningful uh, brand name. And and again, like the clients love it because it's not something that is buying offline, you know, for ninety nine dollars. Perfect. Well, it's actually time to take another quick break. So be sure to hang around to hear more from Josh Walker on Recon Media why small businesses may want to rethink the traditional brand identity model. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Today, I'm chatting with Josh Walker of Recon Media. Let's find out a bit more information from him on small business brand models. So, Josh, is it possible to bring a brand back to life? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that can be something that's a little more um, difficult than starting a new brand. Because if you've got a brand that you're bringing back to life, that um, that insinuates that uh, something happened and you need to revive it. So you either, you know, had a big um, faux pas, you know, or there was a, there was a PR crisis or um, anything, you know, transfer uh, from, you know, 
one generation to another, any number of reasons. So there's a little bit of a different um, approach that you have to take with that. But a good example um, of a brand coming back to life would be, uh, I forget the year, but it was, I think, six, eight years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but the Domino's pizza chain um, did a did an outstanding job at reviving their brand because they had become known as like, you know, the the crappy pizza, um, the cheap stuff and um, filler ingredients, et cetera. And and they took an uh, they took an enormous risk when they rebranded. Like they rebranded like v- the visual identity, but they also and th- this is part of the reason I love the story is because they they owned the reason they were rebranding and they you know they doubled down on the fact that like yeah our pizza sucked <laughs> and 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 uh, we are not proud of it and uh, we're gonna make it up to our customers and like. And they did such a, a, a great job um, really getting that message through. But the reason that was successful is because they didn't run from the reason that they were rebranding in the first place. Mm-hmm. A lot of businesses will think, okay, look, if we can rebrand overnight, um, you know, we'll flip the switch tomorrow morning and then nobody will ask questions about why we have a new name or new logo or, you know, whatever it is. And um, you'll find that in today's, uh, in today's world, uh, the consumer and and the the person that's receiving you know your communications, they expect um, a certain level of authenticity and a certain level of trust and uh, transparency, because we have so much access to businesses and individuals today. Um, it's like you know the days of you know the sixties, fifties, and sixties of uh, Madison Avenue marketing agencies where they they hold the power um, like that's gone and the consumers today you know have so much um, so much ability to speak into uh, the brands themselves and, and hold them accountable so when Domino's really kind of owned like yeah we suck at making pizza we're gonna we're gonna do something about that um, that was woven into their brand identity. And so, like, now uh, a lot of people recognize Domino's as a trustworthy brand because of that reason. Um, and had they just slapped a new logo on and moved on like nothing ever happened, they would still be known as the crappy pizza company. Mm-hmm. Understood. So I would like to talk now about behavioral economics. Like, can you define what that really is? And then how does that play into what you do when you help businesses with their branding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, when you think about, uh, you could have two different colors, um, two different color options for a logo. And say, for instance, uh, we've got a a muted, like, red, like mm-hmm. a, a muted, um, yeah, like a, a dark red kind of thing. And then maybe you've got a, uh, a bright green. And same design, but two different colors. Um it's like psychologically, those are going to signal, you know, signal something different to the to the viewer. Um, you'll see that, like in in the healthcare industries, um, financial industries, uh, like green, like bright, um, vibrant greens and blues are very rel- uh, popular. Social media, like across the board, um, blue is is a very social color. It, it, it you know expresses connection and community. Um, if Facebook were branded um, with yellow, like maybe they never would have become mm. the giant they are because mm-hmm. of of that little, you know, like that little choice in color. 
Um, but deeper than that, when we look at um, the words that are used in advertising, and, and this is where, um, you know, outside of branding, copywriting, uh, content production comes in, um, you can have two companies selling the same thing for the same price to the same customer, but how you offer it to them and at what price makes a big difference. So, for instance, if you've got, like, if you're selling uh, a bouquet of roses, um, and I'm, I'm not sure what they cost, but I think they're like 20, 25 bucks or something. You know, you could have uh, florist A say, hey, these are, you know, a dozen of the best roses around, and they are twenty four ninety nine. Um, then the other florist across the street might say, uh, these are, you know, the best uh, bouquet of roses around. And uh, they were thirty five ninety nine, but now they're twenty four ninety nine, mm-hmm. and so there's that perceived uh, increase in value, mm-hmm. but the customer's paying less. So that's an example of behavioral economics. Like um, when you when you have a contact form uh, or a pricing form on your on your website, or th- and this is big in um, nonprofits, and we've we've worked with a lot of nonprofits on this, and it's a super basic uh, behavioral economic kind of tip. But if you've got a donation form on your website, um, everybody starts out with the smallest number at top, mm-hmm. at the top. And um, research shows that if you flip that and you start with the highest number, the highest value at the top, nobody wants to go down at the bottom and select a very little amount because then internally they feel like a little bit of like shame or guilt that they aren't giving more. Mm-hmm. And they, they won't give the most, but they also won't give the least. So um, research, research has shown that when you, when you uh, just change the presentation like that, um, you, you actually see an increase in revenue. Um, so, yeah, and again, this isn't about behavioral economics, so I don't want to geek out on it too much. Um, but that is a, you know, if you're, if, if you're listening to this and you're looking at your brand and, and wondering, um, you know, if it's intentional or if it's not, just Google behavioral economics, branding, marketing, and and read some stuff because you'll find that um, there's so much that goes into uh, not just the the visual part of your brand, but the words you use, um, the numbers you use, how you place things in your storefront. Um, in, uh, anything that a customer interacts with, sees, touches, feels, smells, hears, um, can can influence them in a negative or positive way. And so that's that's it's just incredibly important to consider how your brand is, uh, you know, is being presented to the to the customer um, once they walk through your door, once they've gone home, once they're on the internet, you know, mm-hmm. e- everywhere in between. And I know we were talking earlier about why it's important to really have a good brand and not just slap something together, you know. But can you explain how a good brand could actually help a business grow? Yeah. Um, so, like, at a very basic level, if uh, if you've got a if you've got a bad brand or you have no brand at all, for that matter, um, again, like in today's world, the expectation there's an expectation that because we have access to technology and design, and because everybody um, can use Canva to design a flyer or a logo, uh, everybody's got an iPhone with a high def you know camera. Mm-hmm. So, like the expectation is there from the consumer that if you're in if you're in business, like you should have a brand and it should be good. Um, and so, if you don't have a good brand, a quality, meaningful brand, then right away that's going to signal to a potential customer that 
that you don't take yourself seriously as a business owner, you know? And, and so if that's the case, why would I spend money with you? Mm-hmm. Or why would I hire you? And so if, when you do invest in your brand, and this kind of goes back to the, one of the first couple of questions that we talked about, when you do invest in your brand and, and you do it with the same level of intent um, and, and meaning that you would invest in the property that you're building your building on, you know, people say location, 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 like a business owner takes that incredibly seriously when they're looking at locations. And if they can approach the branding the same way and make that uh, investment knowing that it's going to uh, be there for, for a sustained amount of time. One, it's going to tell the customer, the, the prospective customer, um, that you take yourself seriously and then that you didn't just slap something together or that you're not just testing out the market. And if it doesn't work out, you know, okay, we'll shut it down. It's, it's kind of like going back to the behavioral economics thing too in psychology. Um, you, are, you are telling people that, one, you believe in your business and your product and your offer, and two, um, that you're here to stay. And three, if you did it you know, effectively as far as uh, meaning and um, intention goes, and you can communicate that through your literature, through your website, your social content, through video, um, and you start to weave all of these brand elements together, that's going to help increase like the reach in the audience mm-hmm. uh, exponentially because... Um, there are so many businesses that don't do that. And so when you've got business A who's not doing it, who's not doing effective marketing with a good brand, and business B is, uh, right, again, it just tells them, okay, one of these businesses, are they take it professionally, and the other one, they're hacks. They could have the same product and the same price, but it's that perception of value. And in and, and, and branding and marketing, uh, perception is reality. And so if people don't, if people don't perceive that you know you're a good brand or a trustworthy brand or a relevant brand, um, they're not going to take you seriously. And again, you could have the best product, but that won't matter if if you aren't presenting your brand uh, appropriately. Right. So I know we're getting you know closer to the end of the show, but one of the thoughts that was running through my head as you were talking about that too was. Um, like, how would someone even know if they're setting up their brand, like, if it's, quote, a good brand or, quote, a bad brand? Like, are, do you have some quick tips, like, that could help them really figure that out? Yeah, don't don't use uh, the Comic Sans or Papyrus fonts. That's a, that's a really good place to start. Um, no, I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> people, people um, this, this goes back to, like, the, the personal preferences and finding a balance between their personal preference and their their target audience Mm -hmm. um but also you know if you're looking at um say say you sell you know you start a business you're really into um antique cars um and historical vehicles uh that's going to be a completely different audience than teenagers um you know buying sets of headphones and so you have to make sure that um you present your brand in a way that is not um doesn't come off as, as cheeky or um, I'm, I'm turning to the word it's got to it's got to have a connection to that target audience even if it doesn't um, even if you don't particularly like it yourself and that's right. that's that fine balance and there's 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 a lot of subjectivity there um, and there's no perfect down the you know middle of the road kind of answer but getting feedback from other people um, one important thing to do is is do some research and make sure that um, that type of brand identity name uh, feel look whatever 
doesn't already exist in in your industry, especially in your region in industry. Um, because if somebody already has a similar brand uh, or a similar feel, and you come in late, um, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunity because. Uh, you aren't new and you aren't uh, something that's going to stand apart from the others. Right. Um, yeah. So I say do a lot of research. Perfect. Great information. Well, we are getting to the very end of the show. I want to ask if you have an offer that you would like to share. Yeah, actually I do. Um, and so we didn't talk about it today, um, but it is, it is directly tied to what we talked about. And uh, that is the, we, we call the brand sprint. And, um, we found that a lot of clients would come to us and um, they either wouldn't, they wouldn't come on board as clients for two different reasons. One, they couldn't afford the full brand experience or two, they needed it like today or tomorrow. And an example is a client was opening a bakery. She had gone with an agency, um, one of our competitors, website, logo, all that stuff. And like three months later, none of it was finished. There were typos. It was terrible. And she came to us because she had heard about our brand sprint, and it's a it was it's a one day brand experience where our entire team is dedicated to that client, and we go from start to finish. We the discovery, we build um, an entire website, uh, logo, all the collateral, and then we schedule uh, six weeks of social media content for the client after we've already discovered their brand voice and their their buyer persona. We do all of that in one day, and. Um, it's cheaper than the typical brand experience that takes months, and it's incredibly faster. And you can learn more about that if you go to recon.media slash brand dash sprint. Um, and our website is recon.media. There's no .com. It's just recon.media. Okay. And is there a phone number or anything that you would like to share as well? Or Absolutely. social media? <laughs> yep. So um, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Recon Media, <clears throat> excuse me, Recon Media, and then the phone number is five seven four three one six zero two zero eight, and uh, and I'll I mean I don't mind giving my email out as well. Uh, okay, my email perfect. is Josh at Recon Media, and I'm always uh, my inbox is always open if people have questions or need to bounce an idea off of somebody. Um, shoot me a message and and uh, ask for some feedback, and I'd love to give it to you. Perfect. Well, thank you, Josh, for being a guest on my radio show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad that you could share your expertise in this area. And I wanted to thank the listeners for tuning in to the show today as well. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about why the traditional brand identity model may not be working for you today. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to touch base with Josh at any of the links that he shared or send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. Next week's topic is seven things every person should know about bankruptcy. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week.
Thank you for listening to BizHelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week. 